that solves everything. A how-to-do show where Heather takes credit for making the world a better place by introducing you to people who actually are. I used to think that I was a good person. Then I met these folks. Wow. Hey, everybody. You made it to another episode of Heather Solves Everything. This is the show where I take credit for making the world a better place. Uh, I don't do it by myself. I'm actually introducing you to people who are doing the real work. This is a problem-solving show, and each week, my guests and I talk about everyday problems of life, how they are solving them, and how you can tap into your unique strengths to solve your problems. Today's topic, I gotta tell you guys, it scares me. It might scare you too. And I want you to know that our conversation today might be troubling. But I encourage you to listen because it's important. And you can help solve a big problem today. We're talking about a billion-dollar global business, one that is surrounded by controversy. It affects millions of people worldwide. And it's scary to say, but Florida is one of the nation's leaders. And the reason it's scary is because we're talking about human trafficking. Human trafficking can happen to anyone, but some people are more vulnerable than others. And today, we're going to hear from Robin Hassler-Thompson. She's the executive director of the Survive and Thrive Advocacy Center. We're going to learn what we need to know about this problem. We're going to clear the air on some myths and truths. We're going to hear about an important way that we can all help and discover how we can be hometown heroes and build a safer community. Robin Hassler-Thompson is the executive director of the Survive and Thrive Advocacy Center. You might know it as STAC. It's an anti-trafficking nonprofit that she co-founded in 2015. She co-chairs the Big Bend Coalition Against Human Trafficking, and she's a member of its Social Services Committee. In 2001, she traveled to Bangladesh on a U.S. State Department mission, which included a visit to a trafficking rescue shelter in Dhaka. This inspired her so much that now she's directing and collaborating in anti-trafficking projects. She trains extensively, and she's authored publications and curricula, including a course for the Florida Medical Association. Welcome to the show, Robin. Thank you, Heather. It's so great to be here with you. I have a lot of questions for you, so we're just going to jump into it. Are you ready to solve some problems? I am ready. Let's get into it. Okay, Robin, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I have spent most of my life living in a bubble where things are generally good, people are nice, I'm safe, I've got everything that I need, and I don't have that much to fear. And so my knowledge of human trafficking is mainly from social media and magazine articles and interviewing nonprofit organizations that help people in need. And I don't, I know I'm not alone in this category. And so can you help for other listeners like me, tell us what is under the big umbrella of human trafficking? Well, first of all, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be with you today and talk about this because you're right. It's something that people don't really understand. They're not really knowing that they're exposed to it. So what is it? It's really when you see one person exploiting another person that is through sex or labor, using force or fraud or some kind of coercion, 
for commercial gain. So it's the buying of selling of people for their labor. So it, is it so it's trafficking when somebody makes a profit off of somebody else doing something which they do not get paid for. Exactly. And that profit doesn't necessarily have to mean an exchange of cash, for example. It oh. can mean somebody has been so desperate they said they'll say I'll work for you and I need a place to live or I need food. So that could be an exchange of something for value. Something, in other words, there's a marketplace interaction or transaction that takes place. Interesting. Okay. So, so for example, a lot of times with human trafficking, I assume that this is a sexual transaction and that somebody is, is either forcing someone else to have sex and then they are getting paid for it or somebody is using sex as currency. And, and they are making this exchange. Are both of those categories human trafficking? They absolutely could be, both of them. And as I mentioned before, it's sex and labor trafficking. And a lot of people don't realize that there's actually more labor trafficking globally than there is sex trafficking. How does labor trafficking work? Well, it works just like, uh, gosh, I could give you so many examples. With children, what it looks like and has looked like in Florida, for example, is some of those door-to-door -door sales schemes where you see someone, a child, coming to your door saying they want to sell you a magazine subscription or chocolate. And, and they're being, um, really, somebody's making them do that. Or they're, they're promising them something for that. So a really important thing to remember, though, I have to say, is whether it's sex or labor trafficking, children do not have to be you know, forced or defrauded or coerced because they're kids. They just have to be, you know, they're vulnerable as they are. So what we see is both for sex and labor, children are forced into those transactions um, or, or they're just induced to, to do it because they have a promise. Somebody's, somebody they trust has made them promises about money or travel or something. They're, they think they're going to benefit from this somehow and that never happens. Absolutely. And in fact, worse happens. And then the other kinds of labor trafficking we see with third-party labor contractors who, for example, if you have a farmer, they say, um, oh, I can give you a, a crew to pick those oranges. And so the farmer says, sure, and he pays the labor contractor. That labor contractor, again, has groomed or made promises to those workers and said, I will pay you this. This is the condition of how you're going to work. This is what you know, you'll get at the end of the day. This is the money you could send home if they're immigrants, for example. And yet at the end of the day, none of that happens. The people aren't paid. The conditions are terrible. They're terrorized in those jobs. They can't leave. They're threatened. And they can't leave the jobs. So they keep working. Um, but this could happen not just in factories or farms. It could happen with domestic servants in somebody's house. It could be nannies. It could be um, someone who's working cleaning a hotel or an office building downtown, right downtown here. So there are are all these cases, because people are vulnerable and they believe um, very convincing come-ons and in inducements by these traffickers. So that's how, that's how it happens. Most of the people are low-wage, low-skill jobs, but we've heard of nurses from other countries who are trafficked into this nation. So forgive my ignorance, this question might sound um, silly, but what some of what you're describing sounds to me like obviously a, a illegitimate situation where somebody is not being paid. And then 
there's other times when it seems like it's just it's a really bad work environment. What is the difference? When does it turn into trafficking as opposed to just a really crummy job? It's a really, really great question. It's not silly at all. It's a good question. (laughs) Um, And sometimes it's hard to tell, to be honest with you, because, again, it's part of the trafficker's scheme to be confusing and to hide what's going on. And then the person who's being trafficked to also hide what's going on, right? Because they know that if they say something or do something, they or somebody they love could suffer harm and other bad things can happen. So how do you tell? Well, if it, if there's this element of fraud or force or coercion. So if I could walk away from a really crummy job, I'm not being trafficked. Okay. I might be exploited. Okay. And I might have been lied to and I might be p- being paid less than uh, you know, what I should be according to minimum wage laws. But if I could walk away, no problem, you know, and find another job and I, and I don't have threats hanging over my head, nobody's going to kidnap my child. No one's going to foreclose on my father's land. Nobody's going to do these bad things, take my passport, get me deported, call the police, whatever it is, take away my, you know, the drugs that that person has been supplying me. If there's nothing keeping me in the situation and I can walk out, other than I won't get paid, you know, that's not trafficking then. Because you need those force, fraud, and coercion elements. Okay, force, fraud, and coercion. And so I'm guessing that those are areas that you really focus on as part of the organization, the Survive and Thrive Advocacy Center. How did that get started? Well, we got started because of this local group called the Big Bend Coalition Against Human Trafficking. Okay. And I should back up a little bit, too, and say I started work with the Human Rights Center at Florida State University. And and just when you were introducing me, I was thinking it was two decades ago. Wow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so uh, what essentially happened was through the coalition and through the work that I was doing with the Human Rights Center at Florida State, it became clear that we needed to have a local program here. And so the Survive and Thrive Advocacy Center was created. And um, I know that you provide training and education on how to recognize, report, and prevent human trafficking. You've worked with healthcare and child welfare professionals, law enforcement, educators, faith communities. We're going to learn more about Stack when we come back from a break. Um, this is Coach Healthy Heather. You're alert, listening to Heather Solves Everything. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Healthy Heather from Heather Solves Everything. I want to thank my sponsor, Kylene and Ryan Studios, a local husband and wife photography team who specialize in weddings and portraits of all kinds. Whatever special event you have coming up, they're your photographers for life. With a combined 32 years of professional photography experience, their unique perspectives shine through in every image you see. Find out more at KyleenAndRyan.com. That's KyleenAndRyan.com. Come. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. This is Coach Healthy Heather. And you guys know this is a problem-solving show, and we're solving a big one today. 
I'm here with Robin Hassler-Thompson, the executive director of the Survive and Thrive Advocacy Center. We're talking about human trafficking. We're talking about forced labor. And guys, I want to let you know, in 2018, the National Human Trafficking Hotline received more phone calls from California than any other state in the U.S., followed by Texas and right here, guys, in Florida. Now, if you feel like you know somebody who needs to talk to somebody, or if you need to talk to somebody, contact the Human Trafficking Hotline at 1-888-373-7888. You can also text 233-733 or go online. There's somebody ready to talk to you now. Robin, can you let us know what makes Florida such an easy place for traffickers to work? You know, there are so many things, and that statistic actually has been true almost from the beginning when they started counting to this day, and a lot makes it true for Florida. Um, If you look at where there's a lot of human trafficking, we see it in the agricultural area. We see it in service industries. Um, Florida has very porous borders. We have a lot of people coming and going constantly. We have a lot of population, period. Um, We've also got, you know, sex industry is here. There is um, all these sort of unregulated, I should say, or or not as regulated perhaps as they should be third-party contractors. So our, our laws are strong in some ways on trafficking, but there are other ways they could be stronger in terms of workplaces. So we've got this sort of constellation of things transients you know i've heard florida called uh, ground zero for human trafficking really and it's really the number the the stats you were um just citing are stats that come from the national human trafficking hotline and calls to that hotline so it's not talking about necessarily the number of cases but it's the best reflection we have because trafficking is so hidden you can't tell so this is this is really one of the best ways to gauge the numbers And really across the board um, with our population, with the work that's here, with the people um, enforcement, even with people doing everything they can on this issue. um, It's just it's just too much. When I think about the geography of Florida and um, just the interstate system that we have, you know, where, you know, you can pretty much make the, the perimeter of the state on the interstate and then easily get into Georgia, easily get into Alabama and get across state lines. Um, I wonder, does that play into whether a state could have a trafficking problem? It, it does in some ways, but it's important to remember that you don't need to have any movement whatsoever for there to be human trafficking. Somebody could be trafficked right here within the city limits of Tallahassee, never leave, you know, that house that they're in. And they could be trafficking uh, their own child, which is what we've certainly seen in our area, very sadly. Um, we, but the, the fact that you can move people around, we also have a lot of airports. People don't realize how many people are trafficked into anywhere in the United States or anywhere on the globe, um, and they're flown there. So it's not just people crossing borders uh, illegally. It's not just um, on interstates. It's all kinds of ways people are moved. And really, moving people around is one of the ways that traffickers keep control of victims because they keep them literally on the run so they don't form uh, close bonds with people in a community. So so they can keep them guessing. Often one of the red flags we, uh, we say is 
does that person you're talking with know where they are? Do they even know the city that they're in? Because it's really a tactic of the of the trafficker to keep them in the dark and and so on. Wow. Okay. Well, so I'm I feel like th- there's an onion with the layers are just being peeled back, and I'm learning more about this and realizing how many myths about trafficking um, I am not sure whether or not are true. And so I hope that you can help shed some light on some of these trafficking myths that, um, honestly, I I wonder whether I would get these right. Let's do it. Here's the first one. Okay. Human trafficking is usually a violent crime. Does human trafficking have to involve violence or does it usually? Well, it often does, but it doesn't need to. So, for example, um, someone can be transporting somebody across the border and that person is just going, say, across the border in the back of a van. That, That person who's driving is a trafficker. The person who recruited the, uh, say, the child from another city to go to uh, to work in a certain, say, a cantina or at a restaurant, you know, in that case, that recruiter is a trafficker. Have they committed a violent act against that person by, you know, physically, you know, committing a sexual assault or a battery or any other kind of, of physical violence or kidnap? No. And then often we, uh, we see as well a trafficker will uh, build a trust full relationship with somebody, mm-hmm. you know, poses the best friend of someone. In fact, we often, you know, encourage people to understand, especially now during the pandemic, kids are so vulnerable, say, online. And the way they are is someone has has really posed as a friend and developed a trusting relationship. So has an act of physical violence like under the law been committed? No. But the act of trafficking, of course, because of all that force and and essentially servitude and that is a violence that's committed, a human rights violation against somebody. But it doesn't, you know, necessarily require somebody to, you know, knock them on the head and drag them into the back of the van, which is one of those myths. Exactly. Okay. Myth or truth. People being trafficked are physically unable to leave their situations. They're locked in. They're held against their will. Well, you know, that's the thing. It's so interesting you ask that because what we, we often use the, the phrase, uh, they're in a prison without walls. Okay. Right? Or they're held by invisible chains. So are there actual chains? Sometimes in terms of maybe locking a gate. Um, you know, we've known of cases in, say, Palatka, Florida. There was some, some labor camp where there was barbed wire facing in right so somebody couldn't get over the fence to Mm -hmm. leave so were they physically constrained yes but we also see say a nanny at a bus stop with a child she has a cell phone in her pocket she is out in public she is putting that child on the bus but is she trafficked yeah you know could she call the police physically she might be able to but she knows the consequences that will come to her and and again the fear and and just the unknown of what could happen that that keeps that person in the situation. And what we see more and more um, is the psychological coercion. That's what keeps people in. And then traffickers layer on that, the use of, say, drugs or other threats. So we're really looking at a, a, a case of manipulation and psychological um, trickery 
to make somebody feel as if they have no other option and that, that the consequences of them leaving, they they wouldn't be able to support themselves and it's um, and they have no choices. That's right. That's right. So it's, it's a complete taking away of that person's freedom and agency to do what they need to do to be safe. So that's why when anybody does get out, you know that person has, has taken such a courageous step. I would think that that would lead into keeping somebody disoriented, like like you said, not know, knowing much about the city where they're in, if they don't seem to really understand where they are, um, that would be part of the process of keeping somebody trapped Absolutely. without walls. Yes, yes. Myth or truth, human trafficking only happens in illegal or underground industries. Absolutely false. We uh, just completed a training that I did with Capital City Bank here locally. And one of the things we talked about is how trafficking happens in legitimate businesses. It happens in hotels. It happens at, in, in office buildings with the cleaning crews. It's, it, you know, it, often traffickers will use legitimate businesses as fronts for illegal activity, and including trafficking. But uh, no, human trafficking happens every place. It could be in a nursery. It could be at a um, at a at a hospital or a, as I said, a, a hotel. And so it happens in these legitimate businesses as well as uh, not illegitimate businesses, if you will, escort services, other kinds of places where you know you really know something is happening here that's wrong, but um, you can't always tell. This kind of goes back to my earlier question, myth or truth. If the trafficked person consented to be in the situation they're in, then it cannot be human trafficking because they should have known better. Absolutely not true, not true, not true. You know, that is a victim blaming kind of statement that people sometimes don't understand the dynamics. You might consent to being in a job or in a situation, but you don't consent to being trafficked. And you don't consent to um, the, the means that people are using to really literally enslave you. We're learning a lot today, guys. We're learning about how to tell the red flags, the signs of human trafficking right in your community. When we come back from the break, we're going to learn what to look for. And we're going to learn about how you can help be part of the solution. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. It's Coach Healthy Heather, and I'll be right back. Stay with us. Hey guys, it's Healthy Heather. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. This is the show where we tap into your intrinsic strengths to solve the everyday problems of life. And I need your help. If you've got a problem that needs solving, let me know. It just might make it to the show. Go to CoachHealthyHeather.com and click on Solve My Problems. Submit your idea, send it to me, and you never know. It might end up being on an episode of Heather Solves Everything. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. This is Coach Healthy Heather. I am here with Robin Hassler Thompson. She's the executive director of the Survive and Thrive Advocacy Center. And we are solving the problem, well, a part of the problem. Of human trafficking. We were just talking before the break about some of the common myths about human trafficking that 
uh, Robin has debunked for us. So we are peeling back the onion of this topic and we're learning more and more about what it really means for somebody to be trafficked. What's the difference between being trafficked and just being in a lousy situation? You know, how does somebody get themselves into these situations and why don't they just leave? We're learning all about it. And um, I wonder, Robin, can you let us know this is happening in front of our eyes and we don't even see it. How can we open our eyes to this and see the signs? What are the red flags that we should be looking for? Well, you know, there are a lot of different situations where this can show up in different ways. But one of the things that I always like to tell people is if you see somebody who has just lack of agency, lack of freedom, lack of being able to, seems like, do or say or go or react in any way that looks like they are in control of themselves. If they're being controlled by somebody, if they're constantly, you know, not being able to answer questions. So so we work with people, say, training healthcare providers. If, if you're in the emergency room and somebody else is a- answering all the questions for that patient, that control by that person of that other person, now that could be domestic violence. It could also be trafficking, but it's it's that individual who doesn't have their own say-so. Okay. So so that's like a, an overall thing to look at. All right. Um, I mentioned before the bank training I just did, and we talked about how someone coming in, say, to open an account might constantly have to look to the person with them about, you know, how to answer that question. You know, they might seem very scripted in their responses. And if you ask a question that wasn't on that script that they learned, you'll see kind of a flash in their eyes of, of fear. Like, I don't know what to say because I was I was supposed to say this and this is my age and this is my birthday. But somebody asked me something else. So there's that idea of someone being controlled by another person and that person lacking the ability to, you know, do what they want to do when they want to do it. So that's an overall thing. And then in individual situations, you might see um, examples of it could be somebody is in. In, um, say a, a service relationship, say a nail salon or something like that, and the person who's say doing your nails is is very um, say looking down, looking very afraid. You might see physical injuries on that person. You might see um, things that indicate um, in another situation someone is depressed or anxious. Um, again, it's it's hard to give a checklist because it's not always going to be the case. And so what we like to do is talk about people in kind of this broader sense of of what it might look like for somebody to really be free to do what they say. Like you might have a conversation and say, hey, when's the last time you, uh, you know, were able to talk to your family and you just somebody shuts down. They don't have a cell phone. They don't have access to their ID. Anything that indicates that things that, like you were saying before, we take for granted in our lives and how we just negotiate the world. It's not possible with somebody who's being trafficked. So stack can help people and organizations learn how to notice these things and then take action. So how does Stack help an organization to do that? Well, in two ways. One, um, we have two parts of our mission. One is to directly work with survivors of sex and labor trafficking. So we provide case management services and we connect them to the services that they might need. And you can think, um, you know, anyone from a toddler to an 80-year-old man from India could be trafficked. So there isn't one agency in town that could take care of the needs of all of those people, but there are people in town that are doing work for whatever that individual might need. So if they need housing, if they need health care, if they need 
um, any other kinds of services, counseling, uh, legal assistance. What we do is we try to get that person connected to those agencies, depending on what their needs are. So that's one thing we do. Okay. So it's been really important to just you know, work with everybody. Like one of our greatest partners is Legal Services of North Florida. So we partner with them a lot. We um, we have uh, common clients. And and what, what we end up doing is doing training with them. They train us. So everybody's, you know, kind of the boat of knowledge. The boats of knowledge are all lifted on the same sea, if you will. Mm-hmm. So everybody gets educated about human trafficking so they can recognize it. If their clients, even if they were uh, trafficked 10 years ago, the trauma is so great that they might still be experiencing problems resulting from that, you know, per, that person being trafficked. So we work a lot with um, agencies all over our area to do training. And so they can do that. And we work together to help clients. The other thing we do is we do training of the community and and really anybody and everybody and at large. So faith community training. I mentioned, uh, you know, the, the emergency department at, at TMH. We do healthcare training. We've Tallahassee Primary Care Associates. Um, the Rotary Clubs, we go everywhere to just tell people this is happening here. Because sometimes, you know, another myth is it only happens in big cities, Tampa, you know, Orlando, Atlanta, Jacksonville. No, it's going on here. People don't realize rural areas are especially overlooked. So what can we do to say, hey, this could be going on? And it's probably going on with other things that are harming that person in, in their lives. If you're listening to this and you're you're wondering, how can I help? This is a huge issue. I want to be part of the solution. Um, well, I'll tell you what, guys. There's an event coming up October 13th through 15th. It's called Imagine Freedom. Empower trafficking survivors one gift at a time. Robin, tell us about what's happening in October. I'd love to. And part of this is really addressing what you're getting at, too, um, which is it takes a village. Everybody has a role in doing something. So if you're a consumer of anything, which we all are, so the um, the products you're buying, the food you're eating, the clothes you're wearing, you can start asking questions as a consumer. Is this thing that I am eating, buying, seeing, you know, consuming in any way, has has this been touched by trafficking, by trafficked labor? And, and right here in town, we've got great examples of places where we know that that is not taking place. Red Eye Coffee, Red Hill Small Farm Alliance, all have, are two examples of places where they've said, yeah, no, we're not doing it. You know, you, we can guarantee when you decide to buy this cup of coffee at Red Eye that even the supply chain is free of trafficked labor. So that's a really cool thing you can do as a consumer. Um, so there's also a website, uh, yourslaveryfootprint.org. You can look at that. That's on the website that we have, uh, surviveandthriveadvocacy.org. Ten things you could do. What you can do as a consumer, that's one thing that you can do. You can really do that. And then start talking about it. We really want people to understand that this very hidden um, reality is out there. And if they start asking questions, um, it, it really starts to open a lot of doors and a lot of um, eyes to the reality. So surviveandthriveadvocacy.org is the website to go to to learn about all of the ways that STAC can come to your organization um, to do training. Um, and then also how you can can make a difference from your home. Now, this event is over three days, and there's different ways that people can participate. So how would somebody participate in Imagine Freedom? So the very biggest thing about this to remember is that it is our annual fundraiser. And so 
Um, we didn't mention this before, but I'll, I'll tell you that since the onset of the pandemic, our caseload has tripled. Mm. And that's people who are both sex and labor trafficked. And uh, really, I think the pandemic in terms of both the crisis as well as the resulting economic fallout has made our jobs even more vital, if you will, more um, we're being called on more by more people and more agencies at a time when it's really hard to do the work. So one of the things we're asking people is, could you be one of our champions, which means using your voice and your influence to tell people about trafficking? You're a champion, Healthy Heather. (laughs) Um, You're doing it right now. So how can you share information about this reality and what you could do both as a consumer and as somebody who cares about people? And that could be in uh, in your faith community. It could be at your workplace. It could be remotely. It could be, you know, my birthday's in September. I don't know why, but a lot of people, there are a lot of September babies. And mm-hmm. so we're encouraging people to say, have a Facebook birthday fundraiser, things that you could do. And it's really just sharing information about, yeah, trafficking's reality. The human trafficking hotline that you mentioned, the 888-3737-888. So weird. That's how they did it. That's our hotline number. Stacks a member of that hotline. Let people know there's a multilingual 365 um, you know, days a year, uh, 24 hours a day hotline that they can call and talk about um, this issue. So um, there's there's the information, there's the fundraising, there's the sharing, there's the your role as a consumer. And go on our website and just play. There's so much information there. You can you can have fun and you can learn a lot. Yeah, guys, you're going to want to go to surviveandthriveadvocacy.org and click on 10, way, 10 things you can do. And um, I am definitely going to be checking out this list of... Um, of human trafficking and fair slavery free goods at slaveryfootprint.org. All right, guys, when we come back, we're going to dig in a little bit more into ways that you can be a hero and a helper here and with yourself. Stay with us. It's Coach Huddy Heather. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. Thank you to my sponsor, AK Social Strategies, a locally and woman-owned business that provides social media and email marketing for small businesses. Every client feels the love when their social media is curated thoughtfully and personally with purpose and intention. Social media is a business must have, but it's time-consuming and ever-changing. Let AK Social Strategies take the wheel. Find them on Facebook. Just search for AK Social Strategies. Welcome back, guys. We're solving problems today. This is Heather Solves Everything. I'm Coach Healthy Heather, and I am so happy to be here with Robin Hassler-Thompson, the Executive Director of Stack the Survive and Thrive Advocacy Center. Robin, we have learned a lot today about human trafficking and and the ways that this is happening right in front of our eyes and we don't even see it. But I have to imagine that COVID has also had an impact on trafficking. Um, People are being evicted. People are losing their jobs. Kids are not in school schools where teachers who are, you know, going to have that first eyes on the kids can see them and uh, people are feeling kind of desperate. How does COVID affect 
this landscape? Well, you're absolutely right, first of all. And COVID is yet another example of how traffickers take advantage of crises. They're very nimble when something goes wrong, whether it's a natural disaster or like this, a pandemic. And then the aftermath of the pandemic, as you're saying, there's all of this economic devastation, people losing jobs. And by the way, the people who are losing their jobs, for the most part, are people who were already vulnerable before COVID. So there is an an extra impact on people who have had uh, discrimination, who are on the lower ends of the economic scale, who may be in the lowest level jobs of an organization. And just, just remember last year, no restaurants, no hotels, no travel, all things that are heavy service industry jobs. That's again where we see trafficking. We also see that people are more isolated. So in terms of sex trafficking, believe me, it didn't end. What happened with COVID is it went online for adults and for children. We even saw a story out of New York where the traffickers were advertising, will deliver somebody to you. Um, she'll have masks, she'll have gloves, she'll, in other words, the, the, again, the nimbleness of a trafficker and the despicability of it knows no bounds. So when you see something like that, you know, that's happening. And at the same time, you know, the people who are trying to keep a roof over their head, trying to uh, feed their children, trying to, to make it are going to be even more vulnerable to those come-ons, to those promises, to building of that trust. And at the same time, our systems are hurting. Law enforcement, the justice system, uh, nonprofits are all are struggling. So when we go to serve and assist, it's an even harder, it's an har- a harder road to hoe, if you will. It's there's so much to be um, to be scared of, but then there's also so many opportunities for us to help. Um, we can get involved with um, Imagine Freedom. We can become uh, trained on what to look for, and we can speak up when we know that something needs our attention. Now, guys, I told you at the beginning of this show that today's topic kind of scares me. And a lot of what we've talked about today might seem overwhelming. It feels less so now that we've talked about all of the ways that we can start learning about the signs and the way that human trafficking works. Um, But when it actually comes time to take action, when you see something, when you know something, And now that we know all of this, we have an obligation to each other to look out for this and to speak up and take action when we realize that something is wrong. It can be scary. We might not be sure what's going to happen next, and that might cause us to pause in our steps. But don't let fear hold you back from taking bold action. I've got a few ways that we can move through fear and cultivate courage. So get ready. I'm going to get coachy on you. Okay, guys, now courage does not necessarily mean that you are not afraid. Courage can totally mean that you are freaking out, but you're still able to take action. I like to think of my thoughts being like passengers on a train going through a turnstile at the train station. This is my first tip, guys. You want to make sure that you don't get a line created behind that turnstile. You want those thoughts, those passengers in your brain to keep clicking through the turnstile. 
And so that means that all of my thoughts, the anxious ones, the boring ones, they have to keep moving. And so pay attention. When you start noticing that a thought tries to slow you down, a thought tries to raise its hand and get your attention, you don't have to ignore it. You can just name it to tame it. That's a fearful thought. That's one that could cause a problem later. You don't need to have a conversation with it. You can just notice that you had a not brave thought and you can name it, let it be what it is, and then keep going with what you are going to do. Keep that turnstile of thoughts clicking. Another way that we can move through fear into courage is knowing the difference between true fear and just hesitation. Not all fearful thoughts are real. There's fear, and then that's, that's something that you know in your gut. Something is not right. It's that sixth sense. It activates, activates that fight or flight feeling that really serves to protect you. And then there's just hesitancy. There's not raising your hand because you're worried that you might say something weird or that people might look at you strangely. You might think that you're doing something wrong and so you just pause. Well, I'm here to tell you it is 100% okay for all of that to happen. If you know that something is wrong and that you need to take action, then that is real material that needs to be acted on. But if your fear is just making you hesitate, name it for what it is, take a deep breath and do something. You can make fear your friend. Fear is never going away. If you can't beat it, join it. Welcome those named thoughts and invite them to help you come up with new ones. Fill your mind with courageous thoughts. Remember times when you were brave in the past and how happy you felt when you were able to take that one action. Remind yourself that the worst case scenario is something that you can deal with. Remind yourself that there are people standing by 24-7-365 to help. Choose to be bold by committing to doing something Go to surviveandthriveadvocacy.org. Learn the ways that you can help connect somebody to help. You don't necessarily have to have the solution to the problem. You just have to be able to point people in the right direction. And if you're not sure, just remember the number of people who need you. The struggles of friends and loved ones. The people who are not able to use their own voice. You have a voice And you have the ability to be somebody's solution. Robin, what what are your closing thoughts that you really want us to take away from this topic today? Gosh, um, the first thing is everybody does have a role to play. So thank you for those inspiring words, by the way. And also really letting everyone know that they can do something. And then the second is to understand how trafficking can really affect anybody and everybody, male, female, boys, girls, adults. Um, and, and we all, you know, need to keep learning more so that we can do more. And, uh, and again, I'm just, uh, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to you for this time and everybody who's listening to this now, because really it does truly take a village. October 13th through 15th is the Imagine Freedom event at Survive and Thrive Advocacy Center. But you can help out 
any day of the year. This is their biggest fundraiser, and so it's important to go and visit now. Click on the toolkit, learn about the ways that you can help, click on the top 10 ways that you can make a difference, find out whether the products that you are purchasing every day are a product of human trafficking, and start taking action towards being part of the solution. Guys, we are out of time for today. But tune in next week on Real Talk 93.3 at 1 p.m. for a new episode. Check out the podcast edition of today's show on your favorite podcast app on Monday morning. Thank you, Robin, for being here today. Thank you. I just love being with you. What's the best way for somebody to get in touch with Stack and start scheduling a training program at their organization? You can go to our website, surviveandthriveadvocacy.org, and there's a tab for training, request a training. You can call or text 850-597-2080, 850-597-2080, and, uh, and just let us know and let us connect up. You can stay in touch with me and the show on Facebook. Just look for Coach Healthy Heather. And do you have a problem to solve? Visit CoachHealthyHeather.com. Click on Solve My Problems to submit a show topic idea. We will get it done together. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope that something great happens for you. I'm Coach Healthy Heather, and I'm always here to help you solve everything. Status confirmed. This problem is solved. Well, that's it for this week, guys. We did it. We solved another problem with a little help from our friends. You can be a superhero, too. Check us out online. That's where all the information is about how you can jump in and start solving everything. Heather solves everything with a little help from everyday heroes. <laughs> <laughs>